It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Happy Friday, Howard. How are you? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, great to have you on. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about your uh, your basketball skills as you were growing up. Have you gotten a call from the Rockets yet to play? <laughs> I mean, any minute now, really. Uh, they just they just need bodies at this point. So um, I'm not I'm not sure that even I could help them. To be honest, I, I think uh, I think we're just going to have to let them. You know. Let their fate uh, take its course and um, be rewarded with lottery balls. Speaking of a, of a fate taking its course, I mean, what what's your projection for the future of that franchise? I mean, it's been a, a solid franchise for many, many years, but right now it just seems like it's in disarray. They are in disarray, and I think, you know, it's kind of been papered over by the fact that well, you know, Mike D'Antoni decided to move on, and then Daryl Moore decided to move on, and then a couple guys want to trade. No, okay, you know, this happens. Teams have their nice runs. Sometimes they last four or five years. Sometimes they last ten years. And, you know, they, they had a pretty good long run there in the Harden era. And, and frankly, they've had a good run as a franchise, period. They've been, you know, a, a very respectable franchise for, for a couple of decades. Like, they've rarely had a, a down period. But it's, I think it's a very subtle shift right now. And it won't be subtle for long if they don't write it quickly. And what I mean is you can have a transition period, right? You, 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 you know, a guy moves on, a guy retires, like, you know, whatever happens, and you have to transition to the next thing. But if you're a, a good, stable franchise with great ownership and, a, and consistency in the front office, you navigate it, right? Like the Spurs haven't fallen off a cliff without Tim Duncan or even after having to trade Kawhi Leonard. The Spurs are still been the Spurs because of their steady leadership at the ownership and front office level. What's happening with the Rockets now is bigger than just James Harden wanted out or Russell Westbrook wanted out. It, it, there's there's, there's a, a complete drain of talent at every level there. And this is not to cast aspersions on the current coach or GM, but Daryl Morey was the driving force of that place. He was their vision guy for 13 years and he decided to go and you know Mike D'Antoni left and the stars left the owner Tillman Fertitta has only been in charge for a few years and during that time what they've mostly been known for is not wanting to pay the luxury tax so letting some guys walk away that they could have kept or um, you know not not investing when they could have and I think a lot of those things contributed to all of the people that we've talked about who've left leaving I, I think that there's something to that. And Fertitta has been, you know, a bit of a hothead in public, mouths off a bit. Um, he certainly did everything possible to, to not sign Mike D'Antoni to a contract extension whenever that was just two summers ago. So, you know, I, I, they might be fine. And, you know, I don't know much about Rafael Stone, the, the current GM. Um, he's not somebody I'd encountered before he rose to that position. But they don't have much talent. They've got some difficult decisions to deal with in terms of Oladipo's free agency, or do you trade him now? Um, is John Wall, you know, who's, who's got a massive contract, is he going to be durable enough going forward off the Achilles? P.J. Tucker wants out. That's going to happen soon. 
I don't know where this leaves them, and I don't know how long it'll take, but we're going to find out soon whether Fertitta is actually a, a decent owner because, uh, you know, he, he bought the franchise from Les Alexander at a time when they were still riding high due to all the work that Les Alexander and Daryl Morey had done. But on his own, Fertitta has not really done anything of note for this franchise yet. So it, it's all on him now, and we'll see. We'll see how they navigate this over the next couple of years. Isn't he one of the reasons that uh, that Harden wanted out? I think plausibly yes. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact. I think it contributed. I think that you know, the, you know w- there was the one year that they let Trevor Ariza and Lukamba Mute go, and those guys had been. You know, those are they're role players, and people. You know, what's the big deal about letting a couple role players go? Well, when you're a, a, a maxed out team on the payroll, when you're way over the cap. Um, you, it's hard to replace talent if you let them walk away. And you can keep your own guys because you can go over, you know, uh, the cap with bird rights and all that. So if guys walk away, you can't replace them with equal talent often. And so that kind of pattern repeated itself over the last couple of years. And I think that certainly would have frustrated the front office. It certainly would frustrate the coaching staff. And I think would frustrate James Harden. So, you know, I, I, I think the owner does have something to do with all of those exits. Um, I can't say that for a fact, but that's, that, that seems to, to be the, you know, the, the sense there. And as I say, you know, you're, you're really starting over now. You know, there's, like, there's no one guy to build around. Now, Christian Wood was a great pickup. Christian Wood was really nice. And when he gets healthy and comes back for them, they'll be in a lot better shape. And, you know, there's a plausible outline of a, of a decent team there maybe with Wall and Wood. But, you know, I don't know what, what Wall's longevity will be. You know, he looked, he's looked pretty good overall coming back from the Achilles. But, um, you know, we, we know the history of guys coming back from Achilles is, is not great and that, that it could cut your career short, too. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm, I, I, I think it's going to be a long road back for the Rockets. Staying on the ownership kick here for, for a second, Howard, you've covered the NBA for a long time and seen, uh, you know, probably some savvy ownership moves and some not-so-savvy moves. And Utah has a new ownership group here, the Jazz do, with, with Ryan Smith and uh, his family and partners. And if they were to ask you, ha- Howard, for a piece of advice or an observation on connective tissue with, with good ownership groups, what would you tell them? Well, the first time a billionaire owner of an NBA franchise asks me for advice on running his team will will be uh, the next time will be the first time uh, that somebody asks me that. Um, is he a billionaire? Is he in that stratosphere? I believe so. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Um, probably not going to be asking me, but I, 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 but I have had these conversations with other owners before that I that I that I know I don't know so I don't know him, but I, I I know some others and we've had these conversations, and one of the things I've always said and i believe this um is that the hardest thing for any of them to do is to understand how little that they know about running a basketball team no matter how wealthy they are in their other businesses or how much how successful they are in their other businesses um they don't know how to run an nba team or they don't know as much about basketball as they think they do none of us do the people who work and, and devote their lives to basketball know it and so if any of these folks ever asked me for advice, and they won't, I would say it's very simple. Hire the best person you possibly can to run basketball operations and then get the hell out of the way. Write the checks, <laughs> ask, ask tough questions, certainly press them. When they, when they want to make a blockbuster trade, they want to sign somebody to a max contract for $250 million, they're spending your money by all means. 
make sure that, that you hold them accountable, ask the right questions, challenge them, but trust their judgment. But, but the only way to trust their judgment is to hire the best people in the first place. And the mistake that owners make over and over again that I see, and I've seen this more often than not in my own backyard here in New York because the Knicks have screwed this up constantly, is that you hire the wrong person to run basketball operations. You trust the wrong people. And that's a really hard thing. I don't mean to oversimplify it. It's a hard thing to figure out who should I trust. And what happens is sometimes you hire the person who you know. So Vivek Ranadive in Sacramento hires Vlade Divac because Vlade, he knew him, he liked him. Vlade's popular, really important figure in Sacramento's basketball history for that franchise. But Vlade never run an NBA team before, and we all love Vlade. Vlade's one of the most popular figures around the NBA, but he did not do a good job as president or GM of the Kings. And, you know, um, I, I didn't think it was the, the greatest move when Jeannie Buss hired Magic Johnson. Um, and, but what happens is they hire the people who they know and trust because it's really important to trust that person. So I get it. But um, if it were me, if I came into a few billion tomorrow, <laughs> had the good fortune to buy an NBA team, um, the first thing I would do is try to hire Masai Ujiri. And if Masai wasn't available, I would try to hire R.C. Buford. And if R.C. weren't available, and I would just go through the top, you know, four, five, six GMs in the league, Sam Presti, Daryl Morey, Bob Myers. If none of them were available, if I, couldn't, if I couldn't somehow pry them loose, I'd say, okay, that's fine. Who's the next you? Who do you got? Who's in your front office that really deserves this shot and who think you think will do it the way that you do it? And – and, and that would be it. It'd be pretty simple. And instead what happens is they, they hire somebody that they know or a friend of a friend. Um, they hire consulting firms, these headhunters who do it. And the headhunters don't know basketball either. And they're just going to do what I'm saying, which is go, go talk to all the really smart basketball people. And if they're not available, ask them who they would hire. <laughs> so, I mean, I could open up a consultancy tomorrow and do that. That's easy. <laughs> Maybe you should. Howard, I'd we make a lot more. I'd make a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't talked with you since the All-Star weekend and all that. Uh, Anything useful or notable come out of that for you? Uh, Anything useful or notable come out of All-Star weekend? I mean, listen, all of us were concerned that they were going to Atlanta to have an All-Star game that most of us felt was purely optional, superfluous, or as one epidemiologist I spoke with recently for a story said, uh, like optional and stupid, I think is the way that, that, that she referred to it. Um, or maybe that was about having fans in arenas. Um, they, they didn't need to have an all-star game, except for financial reasons, which I get. But they pulled it off. And, you know, yes, Embiid and Simmons couldn't play. But they, were, they couldn't play because they'd been exposed to somebody who was COVID positive in Philadelphia before they ever flew there. And the NBA handled it well they they made sure those guys never were near anybody else so if there were you know if, if they had been infected and it doesn't seem like they are they've tested negative every day from what i understand so they're you know they the nba pulled off the all-star weekend without it creating a problem re- with regard to covid so credit to them for that um and other than that listen the game was not great it usually isn't, so I don't necessarily even blame the pandemic for that. The, the game is often not great. Slam dunk contest was a disaster. Uh, skills competition I did not watch for the 25th consecutive year, um, or however long it's existed. Uh, and the three-point shootout was still fun. Like, it's the one thing, it's bulletproof. They, 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 you cannot screw up the three-point shootout, and especially if you get Steph Curry in it. 
Um, so that was still fun. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing much to really draw out of All-Star Weekend. Howard Beck uh, is with us, your daily assist here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Howard, I've been asking a lot of our guests this very same question, and I'll ask it to you. Do you think it's a fair, realistic expectation to expect this Jazz team to hold on to the first seed through the second half of the year? Um, I, I do think it's reasonable. I do think it's absolutely possible. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, there's some unknowns with the other teams. Um, when are, when are the Lakers getting Anthony Davis back and, and, and are they going to just go, you know, stampeding through the second half of the season? Cause LeBron is on a mission again. You know, it looks like LeBron wants MVP. It looks like LeBron wants to play every game. Um, they can make a run at them potentially. The Clippers could get on a run. The Nuggets have recovered. You know, the the Suns are hovering up there too, which that's not something we expected. Um, but I I think it's absolutely plausible. Like if you if you said predict now, you know, yes or no, Jazz finish the the year or finish this, the regular season with the best record. I'd say they do. They also have the easiest schedule um, based on all the the the. Uh, Sites that I that I've frequented uh, that rank strength of schedule, the Jazz have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. So even more to their credit that they have managed to have the best record through the first half because it means the converse is also true. They've had the toughest or one of the toughest schedules. So yeah, I think they probably do finish with the best record. You mentioned the Suns there, uh, Howard. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of this team. Uh, they do you think they're really dangerous? Um, they're legitimately good. Whether they're dangerous, uh, look, I think Devin Booker is incredibly talented, and he can, he can create a shot uh, just about anywhere on the court and can make it. He's a really good player, and they've just got a bunch of really nice, uh, I think, role guys around him and Chris Paul. And, you know, you're not going to go out and say at this stage of his career, Chris Paul, go win us a game. You know, go take over a fourth quarter. I mean, that's never really been who he was anyway, but it's certainly not who he is right now. Um, but Chris Paul gets everybody in the right places, and he makes sure that, that, the, that the, the you know guys are doing their job and that the offense is humming and that guys are holding on to their, their assignments defensively. So I, I think they're really, really good. I think it's hard to imagine them knocking off one of the top teams because they don't have that – elite second star at Chris Paul's a future hall of famer, but he's, he's not in his prime. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're just really solid. They feel to me like a, a good second round playoff team. I don't, I don't know that we're going to see them beyond that. Howard, thank you very much. As always, uh, you're always a highlight of the week. We appreciate you. Thanks guys. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Howard, the one and only Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. And uh, make sure to check out his podcast with our other daily assist guest, Chris Mannix, as uh, as they do a really terrific job. The Suns, uh, the I, Suns I, are going to be – sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry, Mark. you go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say that, you know, his what he said there about the importance of ownership and quality leadership in a, in a franchise, I, I couldn't agree with him more. I mean, it is so important you got to have that or else you might luck out a time or two if you don't have it. But, man, just think about the, the franchises that don't have that and how, 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 how difficult their road is. 
And it's no, funny. And the, guy, and the guys don't want to. The guys don't want to sell the teams because they've gone up in value. So they just hold on to them. It's funny how Mark Cuban kind of set a uh, an unrealistic precedent for a lot of owners that he can be this kind of larger than life celebrity type owner that you know is is in the spotlight and super hands on and all this stuff. Uh, you, you, not everybody's Mark Cuban. You know, and the the Tillman Fertitta thing is interesting because he has certainly um, come in to kind of do things his own way. Yeah. And it, it altered that franchise. And we'll see. Maybe he turns out to be the smartest guy in the room and Houston's back before we know it. But it's interesting that when he bought the team, they were certainly riding high and they had a superstar. And now they're entering what is a complete rebuild. I mean, yes. complete rebuild. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, that's what were you going to say about the Suns? Uh, there'll be an interesting story certainly in the, yeah. in the second half of the season.